Let's pray together. We thank you, Father, for the great privilege we have of being together in Christ, being in this place, and being your focused, being those upon who your eye is. Oh, oh God, I thank you so much that you would pay attention to us. And we ask you that your Holy Spirit would be present and that we could realize the potential of this moment, the possibilities of this great opportunity. I thank you, Lord. I pray that the spirit of revelation will be not only on me as a speaker, but on every hearer. I pray the Holy Spirit will say more than I do and that uh, it'll be written in our hearts. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a blessing to be here. I, I, I say that. It's not necessarily a blessing to follow Brother Jim. Um, those of you who are speakers, you understand. It brought back memories when I used to follow Bob Mumford sometimes and, and Derek Prince, which nobody should have to live through anyway. Um, turn with me in your Bibles to John, the third chapter. I remember one time we were in Phoenix and uh, Bob was speaking first, which I don't know who arranged that, and then I was speaking. Bob had to go somewhere, just like Jim did. And uh, when he left the room, it seemed like the Holy Spirit left. Uh, <laughs> I won't go any further. It was not a good day, I'll just say that, but I believe this will be a better day. I appreciate the invitation. Um, to be here. I really do. It's an honor to be invited anywhere and to be invited back. That's a special honor. I'm, I enjoyed Jim LaFoon. I'm so sorry Peter Lord couldn't be here. Nobody can take his place. But I, I'm grateful to Jim and Tom for the invitation. Um, yeah, it has been a long time. I know there, <clears throat> I know there's some advantages for uh, age. I just can't remember what they are. Um, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> oh, well, there's my watch. <laughs> Elderly gentleman took his wife's glasses off and said, you look better. And she said, you do too. And I think that, I don't know why I have an affinity for elderly gentlemen jokes, <laughs> but we don't have time for all of them. <laughs> Guys. The old doctor said, I think my wife's losing her hearing. And he said, uh, what makes you think that? He said, well, I just think she is. She doesn't answer me. And he said, well, here's what you do. You just kind of stand behind her and ask her questions, see if she answers. So he came in and uh, said, what's for dinner? She didn't answer. And got a little closer, what's for dinner? She didn't answer. And he said, what's for dinner? She said, for the third time, chicken. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, I, um, I appreciate the theme of the conference, 
our preeminent Christ. And when I saw it, um, it brought back a lot of thoughts to my mind. My father, too, was a minister and um, uh, a good man, a great man in my view. And um, he said something to me that stuck with me uh, all my life. He said, when it comes to the things of God, you can describe them, but you can't define them. And the, to me, it's one of our problems is that we've gotten an over-familiarity with God. And God's name comes up a lot, sometimes not so flattering. But I, I think our culture has lost the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom. And those that feared the Lord spoke one to another, Malachi 3. And he took note of it. God hears our conversations. I suppose, therefore, God will hear what I have to say this morning, and I hope it's pleasing to him. Um, but I think the, the more we, we know or think we know about God, the more awe we should have. If we know more and more and then we become familiar, then we really don't know the Lord. Um, and we don't know Christ as, as we ought. I want to read from John 3. I'd really like to read the whole book of Colossians and some other books as well, which I want. But in John 3, verse 30, uh, John the Baptist is speaking. He must increase, and I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that is in heaven, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. All things. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides upon him. I want to go to Colossians 1. Um, the text is already, Tom read the text last night, but I will pick up, I think, about where he left off. And I want, I want to read uh, verse 17 and 18. You might have read that, I'm not sure, Tom. Of Colossians 1 from the New King James. And he is before all things. He is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I know you read that verse. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness, now just try to get your mind around as much as you can, it pleased the Father that in him, that is in Christ, all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, and by him, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. 
And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. I want to go down to, um, well, let's just turn over to, no, I, I, I want to go to 27. I just, I'm just jumping through verses here. To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now bear in mind, he has said Christ is above all. He's the fullness of God. And we're going to say other things, but he's also in us. Now to me, this is incomprehensible. But all of that is in us because of Christ. And um, let's go to 2, um, 9, Colossians 2, 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you're complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Um, I'd love to read it all. Um, look in 3. Verse 1, if, you, if then you were raised with Christ, and that's a, that's a done deal, it's legally done, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You died. You died. I think a lot just fainted, but he said you died. When Christ, who is our life, Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I'll stop there. Um, I'll refer perhaps to some other verses. John the Baptist. Um, who gave his life for the truth. I appreciate people who are willing to die for the truth, who love the truth more than they love their own lives. John was one of those. <clears throat> said Jesus was above all. He said, I'm a friend of the bridegroom, I'm not the one. Sometimes when you're a preacher and God anoints you and God uses you, you kind of feel like you are but you're not. Uh, you're a friend, but you're not the bridegroom. The Apostle Paul said, we didn't betroth you to us. We betrothed you to Christ. We have to keep that in mind, all of us, when God uses us. The anointing is a wonderful thing. It makes you feel so good. And when it's gone, it makes you feel so bad. Uh, but uh, every once in a while, God will do that. <laughs> I was in New Zealand preaching one time, and I'm telling you, uh, it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. <laughs> it was just, I mean, there wasn't any place to fall down. People were just stacked together, and the anointing was, it was just great. I went outside and sat in the car waiting for my driver, and a um, little voice hopped up on my shoulder and said, now that was the real you. Um, that's the way it would be if people didn't doubt and have unbelief. That, that, that's, your, that's how you really are. I knew it wasn't God, but you don't interrupt a voice that's talking like that. And um, 
So the next night, the Lord hadn't heard about the meeting. Uh, he didn't come. And, uh, and I went out in the car and was sitting there, and a voice came up and said, now that's the real you. The real us is the us without the Holy Spirit. John said, I'm not the bridegroom. He, he is. He must increase. He must increase. I must decrease. He said, he is the fullness of God. What a fantastic statement. He is the one who was before all things. Before the beginning began, he already was. The problem I have with this theme is a, limit, a limited vocabulary. When the Bible itself strains to find superlatives to describe our Lord, then surely we feel so childish in our, in our abilities. Um, I love the song, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumph of his grace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood avail for me. I love, I love the verses. John Wesley wrote it on the anniversary of his, of his salvation <clears throat> back in 1739. I heard a, a, a very eloquent minister say, if I had a thousand tongues and each spoke a thousand languages and I had a thousand years, I could never describe the, the glories of, of our God. It's easy to get caught up in the, in the blessings of God. And I think if it were not a problem, God would bless us even more. But when God blesses us, it's very hard for us to, to keep our focus on the source. Uh, we become distracted with the, uh, with the blessing itself. Um, and when I was first baptized in the Spirit in 1964, it was 19, not 18, 1964, <laughs> um, some people wonder when I, if I don't clarify it. Anyway, I, uh, I was, yeah, and you know, I'm talking to people who, some of whom I know understand. Uh, it was just a wonderful, it was a new day. It was so new. I mean, the Bible was a new book. Worship was a new experience. And uh, it was just all brand new. It was exciting. And so we spent a lot of time in prayer meetings. You know, I mean, think of it. You just wanted to be in a prayer meeting. <laughs> I know that sounds fantastic to some people, but when, it, when, it's, when heaven is opened up and God's showing you stuff, you just get excited about you know, what he might say. I mean, I, I, we, we had prayer meetings every night for 12 weeks, and we didn't call them. They weren't scheduled. And God, these were men, a lot of times, a, a lot of guys who wouldn't even go to church. And now they're hanging out in a prayer meeting because they heard something exciting was happening, and God was saying things, and they didn't want to miss it. 
And sometimes they'd have to leave early or, you know, they worked during the day. This went on 12 weeks. And uh, the next day somebody said, oh, man, you ought to have been there. God, you know, said, oh, doggone it, I'll be there tonight. You know, it, it just, uh, but it was like that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. God was saying things. Well, my dear friend and pastor for many years is Ken Sumrall, pastor of Liberty Church in Pensacola. And um, I love Ken. And one of Ken's attributes was he, he, you could quote any verse in the New Testament, he'd tell you where it was. I mean, he knew it. And uh, I respected that and um, appreciated it. And so anyway, we would, we would pray together. And, and praying with Ken was like, more Bible content than you'd get in the average sermon. And so one night, because God was saying new, fresh things, I, I think I got caught up in new, fresh things rather than in the Lord who was revealing himself. And so we, we were having a, an all-night prayer meeting at his place, and um, the Lord didn't say anything. I mean, it wasn't exciting. It was hard. It's hard to be in an all-night prayer meeting and God ain't there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't, don't, don't you see what we're doing here, Lord? <laughs> About 4 o'clock in the morning, the Lord said something to me. He really gave me a paraphrased edition of the book of Colossians. He said, it's all in Jesus. It's all in him. And it was repetitive and long. <clears throat> but I thought to myself, I know that. I'm not sure this is the Holy Spirit because I know this. <laughs> you ever feel like you knew something that you didn't know? And, it, and even when God told you you didn't know it, you still didn't know it? You didn't know that you didn't know? You know, it's bad not to know, but it's worse not to know you don't know. <laughs> And so uh, I remember it. I remember it. And as I went away from that thing, it, the little bush became like a tree. I wish I always remembered it. It's all in Jesus. <clears throat> we have an incomprehensible Christ. And that's, that awareness is what keeps us in awe of God. As long as you're in awe of God, you can walk in freshness. When you become familiar, you lose your freshness. Um, <clears throat> he is eternal. That word, well, I think a lot of people think that means a long time. But... That's not what it means. Eternity, <clears throat> now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, 1 Timothy 1. Eternity is no time at all. That is the major problem we have in comprehending the things of God. <clears throat> you ever notice that when the Holy Spirit comes, time slows down? There's a reason for that. Because you're, you're entering into a timeless realm. When, uh, as a Southern Baptist pastor, 
and I appreciated my Baptist background. Um, but we had everything planned down to the minute. In fact, we had your whole life planned down to a minute, just about. Uh, we, we had something every night. Different committees, of course, and things like that. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I start to twitch when I think about all that. I have to quit. <laughs> I wrote a paraphrase on... Um, We'll work till Jesus comes. Anybody remember that old song? O land of rest for thee I sigh, when will the moment come? I had um, the congregation sing the verse and the staff sing the chorus. O land of rest for thee, this the congregation, O land of rest for thee I sigh, when will the moment come when I shall lay my armor by and rest in peace at home? And then the staff would sing, you'll work till Jesus comes, you'll work. <laughs> I think I need therapy. Anyway, <laughs> well, and so, you know, you had to plan it. If it longer an hour, people start not looking at their watch, they start shaking their watch. And uh, you had to beat the Methodist to the cafeteria and all that. And then all of a sudden, I got hungry. I mean, I was really, really hungry. I was on the verge of quitting the ministry. I never wanted to get in in the first place. I wasn't called. I was threatened. Anyway, um, and I told God about every week, I told you this wasn't going to work out. And there were a lot of reasons. Nobody thought it would. Nobody else thought it would. Anyway, and I won't tell you all the reasons why, but I was kind of carnal. And um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think this is holy laughter. I think it's, <laughs> anyway, I got hungry. Surprise, surprise. And um, I heard about Ken that he'd gone holy roller and that's what my Baptist friend said. So, and he'd been fired from a big church. So I went over to hear him. Well, uh, they had a, a prayer meeting. And uh, lights were kind of low. It was a storefront building. And I sat about halfway back, kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. And reading my Bible a little. And you couldn't tell exactly who was leading it. And, and uh, somebody sing a chorus. And... I'd never been in a meeting like that. It wasn't programmed. It wasn't chomp, chomp, chomp. And um, when I walked out on the street, the light was bright to my eyes. And I looked at my watch. I'd been in there five hours. I thought, I've been in this thing five. I've been in this place five hours. I started to feel really spiritual. I'd never been anywhere around a church for five hours. When I came back the next week, eternity is no time at all. Jesus is the eternal. Um, 
He's here. He's everywhere in the spirit. He sees the end from the beginning. He's incomprehensible. We know he's real because he was made flesh and dwelt among us and manifested his attributes, his gifts. But before the beginning began, he already was. He was the Word, the eternal Word made flesh, dwelling among us. He didn't just speak the Word of God. He was the Word of God. He is the Word of God. He's changeless. That's why he's changeless. It's not just that he endures. He's in another realm that is timeless. It never changes. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. For people who say, well, God used to do this and God used to do that, you, you don't understand. He never changes. That's why I love the peace of God because it comes from there, not here. I appreciate so many things that Brother Jim said. But God manifests himself in our storms. That's, that's true. One of my favorite hymns is Solid Rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood when all around my soul gives way. He then is all my hope and stay. It's eternal. We, we sang in the pre-meeting last night an old song, far away in the depths of my spirit tonight flows a melody sweeter than song, and celestial-like strains it unceasingly falls, or my soul like an infinite calm. Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. He's eternal. There, therefore, he is able to give us eternal life. The life we receive in Christ. We don't get it when we die. We get it when we believe. But what we have is eternal. He gives us the divine nature. Our founders in this country believed in what is called natural law, but it really wasn't rooted in the natural. They believed that the natural manifested the spiritual. They believed that, that God wasn't schizophrenic, that the same principles in the spiritual realm and the natural realm existed, and that the natural revealed the spiritual, and that there were things that were unchanging that you could build on. Um, and I believe that. I believe that there are. They're eternal things. They're things that will last beyond this earth. He's transcendent. Christ is eternal, and Christ 
is transcendent. As the heavens are higher than the earth, Isaiah 55, so are his ways above ours, so are his thoughts above ours. You can't know God by the natural mind because it's limited. You know, people are funny. They discover something and act like they made it. Um, I, I, um, when I pray, almost always, I ask myself this question, what kind of a mind am I talking to? Some, some say there's 150 billion galaxies. I don't know who counted them, but that's a lot of galaxies. <laughs> galaxies. We're, we're, when I was in the, 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 I think the second grade, I remember them talking about the Milky Way, and that was something way over there. Then I found out we're in the Milky Way. <laughs> that, that's our galaxy. Of course, we're not in the middle of it. We're just down a little corner of it. Uh, but that's a galaxy. You know, galaxies may have 100 million stars, 150 billion galaxies. Wow. And our Lord made all that. <laughs> Are you there? I said, Jesus made all You know, you meditate on that, you'll get, a, you'll get a burn, an aneurysm. I mean, you know, this, this, is, uh, this is heavy stuff. I, I, thought we, I thought we had it all figured out. You know, he, he, it, th that was all in his mind, and he's still making them. Yeah, it's too early to get our systems all closed up. He is, above all, he is transcendent. He is unknowable apart from revelation. You don't know God by education. You can only know him by revelation. Go with me to Ephesians, first chapter. Let me, let me just uh, read some scripture here. Ephesians 1, verse 15. Or you can just listen if, if you don't have your Bible handy. Um, Ephesians 1, 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's the prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above. Say far above with me. Far. How far is far above? All principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, to the church. Now get this, saints, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who feels, feels all in all. I can't take that in. I mean, I can't take all of his prayer in. All those things that he talked about he wanted us to have come by the, the spirit of revelation. The spirit of. The spirit of is different than a drink of. The spirit of is like a river as opposed to a drink. He says, I want you to live in the spirit of revelation. I want you to live in the river, not a drink. We can get excited about one revelation. That's a drink of revelation. But living in the revelation of who Jesus is by revelation. Um. Humanism is one of the stupidest things there is. <laughs> it's stupid. I, I, that's about the most intelligent word I can say for it. It's stupid. We, you know, if we're here a hundred years, we're really blessed. At what point do we become that superhuman being that humanism says we are. Of course, anybody that believes that people are all good never had kids. That's dumb. <laughs> but, you know, at some point we can't do what we used to do, whatever that was. And our weakness becomes apparent. Besides that, putting anything in the center besides God is not good for whatever you're putting in the center. I don't believe that children ought to be the center of the family. They don't have me arrested. I, I believe it's good for the child to be parent-centered. I don't mean you shouldn't take care of your kid. Maybe it's just when I grew up. I grew up before self-esteem was invented. I don't know. Um, my parents loved me, but they were never impressed. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it when, when you put a child in the center of everything and teach it that the world revolves around it. At what point is it going to grow out of that? Because it's going to probably marry somebody else that thinks the same thing about themselves. And that's going to be exciting. Humanism doesn't offer a theology of sacrifice, and that's the only thing that makes the world work. Christ is above. He loves us, but we're not the center of the world. He loves us. He died for us. But his intent is when we grow up, he's, he becomes the center because he's from everlasting to everlasting. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm sure I'm singing to the choir here. But um, once we see who he is, we think self-magnification is a dumb idea. And we become dependent on the Holy Spirit. There was a time when I understood the entire book of Revelation. 
and Daniel and most of Ezekiel. And I preached a year through Revelation, six months out of Daniel, and got into Ezekiel and realized finally I didn't know what I was talking about. But it felt good um, and filled the church too, by the way. I grew up in a church that had a lot of prophecy. We had charts that went all the way across the front of the building. The <clears throat> reason we didn't have more prophecy, we didn't have a wider building. Um, the kingdom of God to me was something that was going to happen after Jesus came back. And I do believe in a manifest kingdom of God, in case you wonder, I do. Uh, I actually believe in the millennial reign. But I don't believe that God is waiting for that to be the kingdom. I believe Jesus is king right now. And uh, sometimes we have to find that out. I, I, uh, I went through one of those times that uh, Brother Jim was talking about. Uh, it, was, it was a dark time. You, you can't see the light except in the dark. And uh, it was a year when I preached entirely too much. And uh, I was finishing a week where I, in five days, preached 25 times and felt used up, was used up, and had delivered more than I had. And uh, nobody's that intelligent. And so, or spiritual. So I called a couple of my friends and asked them to join me for prayer. And I don't know if you've ever really been burned out, but when you are, it's hard to pray. It's hard to make up anything creative. And even your words feel like they're being torn out of your belly. And so we were in a motel room, hotel room, and, and, and uh, one of them had brought a, a, um, a reading of Psalms with the beautiful music in the background. And the, the, the reader didn't quote chapter and verse, he just read appropriate verses. But it was like balm to my spirit. And um, it was about 30 minutes of reading and listening, and I was just stretched across the bed. I was hurt and mad and tired. And um, when, when, when the tape finished, I felt like I ought to pray. I didn't want to pray, but I needed to pray. So I got down on my knees. Now my mother was, grew up Catholic in the bayous of South Luciana, Cajun country. And when she got born again and married my father, who was a missionary, she said, now, boy, and mother was always a straight talker. And um, she would make it very clear to you. She said, you be careful about that Lord's Prayer. She said, you know what the Bible says about vain repetitions. If you're going to say it, you better know what you're talking about because there's a line in there that says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Now, you better, you better be sure you're forgiving everybody or you're asking God not to forgive you. And, and that made an impression on me, so I mumbled when I got to that part of the prayer. Um, <laughs> but I never would say the Lord's Prayer. Um, but that day, I, I got down on my knees and began to try to pray our Father. Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When I came to the next phrase, thy kingdom come, and said it, I realized for the first time in my life, I was asking for something present, not future. 
that I needed the government of God in my life and that I was a charismatic out of control. The image I had was of a wealthy father giving his son a brand new sports car and a credit card and never seeing him again. And uh, it broke. I never got any further. The, the, the next phrase went around in my mind, I will be done on earth like a broken record. I will be done on earth. And I understood for the first time that the kingdom of God was his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I began to, you know, I think Bob Mumford said one time, whenever God shows you something, you need to be locked up for about six months. And that was me. I preached on the kingdom of God every time. I opened my Bible. All I, was, all I could see is the kingdom of God. People thought I was a Job's witness. I had, <laughs> I did. I had some people say, Charles is God, Job's witness. I said, well, if it's any better than this, bring it on. You know, I, I just... But that's all I could see. It's funny. I grew up in church. I could, I could pray. I could quote the scripture. But there's something I couldn't see until God showed. There's things we can't see until God shows us. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, it's a continuous thing. It's not some, oh, I got it. I found it. That happened to me. I know it now. But... Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but those are they which testify of me. Now, those guys had it memorized. And yet he said, you need to search it. Well, how can we search it? Well, with the Spirit. Because God has a lot to say to us. This is a multidimensional book. We're talking about eternal life, a book that's sourced in eternity, and the Spirit alone can reveal it. I'll just spend a few more minutes. Christ is eternal. Christ is transcendent. Christ is head of the church. I don't know if I can talk about this. The church which is his body, the fullness of him. <clears throat> Bodies do what heads tell them to do. Is that right? I know you know I'm setting you up. But it's true, isn't it? The head, to, if not, then we say there's a, that's a special needs person. The church is a special needs church. I love the church. I don't mean to be a critic. Um, but we are the continuation of Christ in the earth if we're his body. That is, we are an ongoing reflection of his character and his ministry. And we'll talk about the ministry of the preeminent Christ uh, this evening. We're a continuation. I sat with a pastor. <clears throat> you know, you can't get really frustrated with something unless you love it. The things you don't care about, they don't frustrate you that much, at least for me. And I was sitting with a pastor, 
I'm sure is a good person. And he was having a lot of problems. In fact, he was away from the ministry for a while. And um, we were talking about the future of the church and so forth. And I asked him a question. I said, what is it that Jesus did that you're not doing? And what is it that you're doing that Jesus never did? And he just looked at me like I was speaking French. And then I asked myself that question. If Christ is the fullness of God and the church is the fullness of Christ, isn't it reasonable to think that we should be the continuation of Christ in the earth? <clears throat> I don't mean divine in the same way, but we have eternal life. God's life never changes. If God's life is fully manifested in Christ and the church is the fullness of Christ, then God's life ought to be fully manifested in the church. Amen? That's kind of weak, saints. Maybe you're still thinking about my question. We spend a lot of time that Jesus didn't spend any time on at all. I think I better get on. Don't put that rock down. Put it down. Anyway, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, it's, the church just loves to be examined, doesn't it? Um, how many of you think that God has more revelation about the church? The church, we, we hear it all the time. It's not an institution. It's an organism. But if he's the head of the church, he's not through with it. Whatever the last move was is not the last move. And every move of the Holy Spirit brings fresh revelation. And you can be sure when it does, you're going to mess it up. But you're never going to find out until you try. We heard a lot about Simon Peter. And I, I love to play that same theme. Peter, James, and John. And all the disciples had their flaws. But you know what? I'm glad Peter's in there because it gives the rest of us an opportunity. And it shows us that God won't cut you off just because you mess it up. I mean, even if you mess it up big time, which he did. But those are the people that learned. And in the end, he gave his life for Christ. He's the head of the church. The fullness of him, he is more than our model he is our life he is our model we can measure whether we're living the life of christ by what we saw him do or what we see him do i love going to uh, israel i love seeing where he walked and that becomes the measure as a matter of fact i believe israel is the shadow of the church i don't think you can divorce the church in the shadow um, and I think it still is. Um, I, I love the tangible mark that God gave us. And when I, when I, when I look at Jesus and what he did, I, um, I know that's the mark. It's not only my personal mark, but it's the corporate mark for the church. But I can't meet the mark without his life. It's not me trying to do what Jesus did. It's Jesus doing in me what he did. 
the biggest frustration, barrier, whatever you want to call it, that I see in the ministry is having the members of the church get out of the church and do what Jesus did. Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Speaking when God tells us to. Saying what he tells us to say. Not being the Holy Spirit, just obeying the Holy Spirit. If the church ever breaks out, the devil will have a breakdown. He's got us pinned up. He's got us marginalized. He's got us ritualized. He's got us formalized. We... Church has become a place to go to. It's become an address. It's a facility. When it becomes the body of Christ, the devil will run and hide. If he doesn't hide, he'll wish he had. The fullness of him, the head of the church, he is the seed of Abraham, the seed. He is the son of David. He is the captain of the Lord's host. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the word of God made flesh. He is full of grace and truth. He is the son of man. He is the firstborn among many brethren. He's the firstborn from the dead. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He's the revelation of the Father. He's the high priest of our confession. He is the fullness of God. He ever lives to make intercession for us, and he is doing so right now. He is the child that was born. He is the son that was given. He is the one upon whom the government rests. He is the one who has a kingdom that shall always increase. He is the everlasting father. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Wonderful Counselor. He is the Mighty God. He is the new Moses. He is the one who's leading a new nation out of Egypt, across the Red Sea. He's the one, he's the Lamb whose blood is on the doorpost of our confession. He is the bread that has no leaven. He is the bitter herbs of repentance. He is the baptizer in the cloud and in the sea. He is the one who followed us and goes with us through the wilderness. And he's the one that will part the Jordan for all of us one day. He is preeminent. Praise God. Amen. Amen.